0: Uh, we are studying this together, spending some time through uh, through this season to look at uh, uh, this letter that Paul writes. You'll recall that this is his last recorded letter, and so this is his last will and testament. And we've been taking this week by week, and I, I I'm excited about what God wants to share with us this morning. But I'll invite you to stand with me as we prepare in Second Timothy chapter two. We're moving on to chapter 2 this morning, and we're going to read 1 through 7. Are you ready to receive this word? Okay, folks, are you ready to receive this word? Okay, <laughs> wake up. There you go. There you go. Let's be enthused about it today. I think the God, that I know that the Lord has something good for us to hear today. Listen to the Apostle Paul through the, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He writes, You then, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. May the Lord do exactly that this morning as we share together. You can be seated. Mickey Cohen Mickey Cohen was a mob boss and controlled much of, the Holly, much of Hollywood in Los Angeles in the 40s and the 50s. He was an admirer of uh, Al Capone and was almost obsessed with the public tough guy image. One of uh, Mickey's associates by the name of Jim Faust, however, accepted Christ at a Billy Graham crusade. Before he quit the mob, he tried to share his faith with Mickey. Now, Mickey was of Jewish descent and was totally unfamiliar with genuine Christianity. When Mickey was told that uh, he could accept Christ as a savior and that he could be granted eternal life, Mickey decided to repeat the sinner's prayer. Many Christians thought his conversion was genuine In fact, in 1957, Time magazine wrote a brief article about Cohen meeting with Billy Graham. Cohen said in that article, and I quote, I'm very high on the Christian way of life. Billy came up, and before we had food, he said, What do you call it, that thing they say before food? Grace, yeah, grace. Then we talked aloud about Christianity and all that stuff problem was Cohen continued in his former activities and when he was confronted by other Christians that, listen, you have to change. He said, well, you never told me I had to give up my career. You never told me I had to give up my friends. And so he responded, and this was a quote, Christian football players, Christian cowboys, Christian politicians, why not a Christian gangster? And he said, if I have to give that up then count me out. You know, it's not really all that unusual to find uh, people who have that kind of shallow concept of the Christian faith. They think that for a moment, because they said a prayer, that all, that's really all that is required, and it really doesn't mean they, they have to, to, to change anything in their lives. But as we know, that, that is not the Christianity of Scripture. Jesus said this, he said, if anyone would be my disciple, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. It's an ongoing decision, isn't it? It's a decision you made this morning. It's a decision you're going to have to remake tomorrow morning. Paul said, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things have passed away and all things become new. In chapter one of 2 Timothy here, Paul said, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Christianity is a gift and it's a growth. It's a call to growth. The gift of salvation is, is what you receive immediately, but the growth is what is expected of you as you become more and more like Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and his power working in you. Now. I want to talk about this idea because Dietrich Bonhoeffer was famous for writing on what he called cheap grace. And I want to just share a portion of of his thought. He said, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession, cheap grace is grace without discipleship grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. He concludes, the upshot of it all is that my only duty as a Christian is to leave the world for an hour or so on a Sunday morning and go to church to be assured that my sins are all forgiven. I need no longer try to follow Christ. For cheap grace, the bitterest foe of discipleship, which true discipleship must loathe and detest, has freed me from that. Now, that's cheap grace. Now, notice here when Paul writes Timothy, he says to Timothy, Timothy, you be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Notice here he is urging Timothy to grow in his convictions to become a mature Christian. And in the second chapter, he uses several analogies to inform Timothy so that he knows what is expected of him as a Christian and especially as a Christian leader. And I think if if we take a look at these four analogies, I think we will go a long way to understanding what is expected of us as we claim to follow Jesus Christ. And so I want to outline those for you this morning. In verse 2, Paul calls Timothy first to be a faithful witness of the truth of the gospel. Look at verse 2. He says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses... And trust the reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Timothy, you're supposed to hear this from me, and then you're going to share it with other people who can teach others still. Now, Paul's teachings are not recorded orally for us, we don't have him on some videotape or on, on, on some cassette tape, but, but we have them recorded in his letters. And for us, they are scripture. And so Timothy was to be a witness, a faithful teacher of these fundamental truths to share with other reliable people. So the first thing I really want to hone in on this morning is, is that what is expected of you as a Christian is to become familiar with the teachings of the Bible. Now, let's face it, that is not an easy assignment. The Bible is not just a book. It's a library of 66 books written by 40 different authors. And while some of the Bible is very interesting and even entertaining, much of the Bible is going to require intense concentration. Some of it's so deep, I suspect I'll never understand it. But to become familiar with the Bible is a lifelong assignment for all of us. I was reading the other day of a gentleman who became a Christian and decided to take the Bible and start to read it from cover to cover, from Genesis all the way through. Now, honestly, I wouldn't recommend that if you are a new Christian. It's probably not the best thing to go into a library and take the first book off the shelf and read all of them, just start reading it one book at a time. That's not the best way to approach it. I think if, if you're a young Christian and you're not familiar with the Bible, a good place to start is to read in the New Testament and begin with one of the Gospels, maybe the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of John, because that introduces you to the person of Jesus. And maybe a good habit is for every New Testament book you read, you take on an Old Testament book. But this gentleman said, this guy said, I'm going to begin with Genesis and go all the way through. Months later, he said, you know, I read read Genesis and that was exciting. And then I got into Exodus, and it was a little more tedious. And then I got into Leviticus, and the details about the tabernacle and the sacrifices. And by the time I got through Leviticus, I was glad that Moses didn't live any longer. (laughs) Because he might have written more books. You know, the Bible can be difficult. Let's face it. You've been there. But faithfulness in Bible reading, listen, it doesn't begin with trying harder. It doesn't begin just by making a commitment to do it every day or asking someone for accountability. It begins with wanting God. Because when we read Scripture, we get Him. 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul tells us, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and correctly handles the word of truth. Are you ready to present yourself to God this morning? I've got to tell you, it's hard work preparing a, a Bible study or a Sunday message. But it's also why when a Bible study is offered by reliable people, good people, good teachers like we do in our church when we have Wednesday nights and Wednesday mornings and Saturday mornings and, and, and Sunday school opportunities. We ought to have a church filled with people hungry to be there and be a part and listen to what others have learned and what others are gathering and to share insights. And by the way, Dave mentioned the the scriptural engagement seminar coming up very soon. I'm going to tell you, we have the privilege of having someone who has studied thoroughly the idea of scriptural engagement. He's going to give us tools. We ought to be lined up, ready to participate and hear what he has to say when it comes to the scripture. well, we love the scripture we want to study it we want to become a part of us and it'll make it easier for us so i really commend that to you i received a, a really nice letter this week and i want to share a portion of it with you this is what from one of our young people who uh, recently went away to college he says and i'm just reading a portion he says i've been attending friends church for just over three years I began attending when I accepted Christ on the youth group's fall retreat in 2015. Friends Church has made an incredible impact on my life by leading me to Christ and teaching me to grow in my relationship with God. NOEFC has impacted me more than anything outside of God himself. It has brought me friends who are pursuing Christ, mentors who I can look up to and trust with anything, teachers who have made the word of God clear and applicable to my life and a closer relationship with my Savior. I truly did not know who I would be today if it wasn't for Friends Church. Now, I read that and I cried, and I'm not going to cry right now, but I was so blessed. Listen, the Bible still lays out a plan For every life, it's not easy, but friends, it's still and will always be relevant, even to our young people. And we must share that with each other. That's why we are so committed to continuing to preach the Bible. But notice here that Paul goes to another analogy quickly. He says we are to be like a soldier who is loyal to his primary calling. Paul writes, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, of Jesus Christ. Now, if you think about it, Paul probably knew Roman soldiers. They were the guards in the prison. Paul knew that the life of a soldier could be hard. Over the last couple of weeks, I had decided to use my Amazon Prime and I picked up, uh, decided to watch the miniseries Band of Brothers. Many of you have seen that? Good. It's the story of Easy Company, the 506th Regiment of the 101st Airborne Division and their campaign before and after the Normandy invasion in World War II. But one of my favorite lines in the series is when the regiment is near Bastogne in December 1944. They are facing a brutal winter. The Germans have them surrounded. They are short on food, short on ammunition. They are not properly equipped or clothed for the winter cold. However, a lieutenant reports the dire situation that the Germans have them on every side to Major Dick Winter's. Dick Winters is whose character much of the whole story is focused on. Winters is a a clean-cut, non-smoking, non-drinking, non-swearing leader of men who was nicknamed Quaker because of his lifestyle. In response to his lieutenant's dire report, Winters said, we're paratroopers, lieutenant. We're supposed to be surrounded. Now, history will report that Patton's 5th Army rescued the 100th Air Force uh, airborne Division, but not according to the Air Force, uh, 101st Airborne. To this day, they have never acknowledged that they needed rescued in the first place. <laughs> Paul indicates that same spirit. He says, as Christians, we're in a fight. In in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul talks about enduring hardship and prison and being beaten and hunger and riots and sleepless nights. But for the soldier, his loyalty is a settled question. His allegiance is, is already a given. He has a commander. And so he has his priorities in order. Imagine a soldier today being at Camp Lejeune and getting orders to go to Afghanistan and then says, I'm sorry, sir, I can't go on that mission. I've got a job this weekend. In a couple of weeks, I'm signed up for a basketball tournament. That doesn't happen. I'm not sure what that's all about. That's probably in regards to the wind. (laughs) As Christians... Our primary allegiance, our commander, is Jesus Christ. And so we should be careful not to beg off his instructions. For example, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, very clearly, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now, that is in reference, of course, to Christians who gather together for worship. But as soldiers, how often do we say so casually, I'm sorry, I, I can't be there this Sunday. We've, we've got company coming in. Or we make up some other excuse. Or he instructs us in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 on the first day of the week, set aside some money in keeping with your income. Well, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I just cannot give because we're renovating our living room and our kitchen. He says, study to show yourself approved. Well, Lord, I I, I just really don't have the time because once I get done watching Fox News and then the Cavs, it's time for bed and I'm too sleepy to read the Bible. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's a matter of allegiance. It's a matter of who's your commander. Now, Paul uses another analogy. He he goes from the soldier, and then he says in verse 5, similarly, anyone who who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. So we're to be like an athlete who, who, who plays by the rules to win. Now, Paul loves to use sports analogies. He's always doing that. But here he makes the point, if you want to win the crown, play by the rules. One of my favorite stories was about a woman named Rosie Louise uh, who finished first in the Boston Marathon several years ago, much to the surprise of all the experts. yeah, She did not appear among the expected challengers and was pretty much unknown to the whole racing world, but there she was finishing first in the 26-mile race. Well, she received the reward and the publicity. But of course, it was only temporary because it was discovered that Rosie had not really run the 26-mile race. She had started out the race, but evidently she hopped into a car and (laughs) rode for about 25 miles and then hopped out about a mile beyond the finish line. And so she crossed the finish line a little more refreshed than the average athlete. Her trophy was recalled and... Her name was disgraced because you do not receive the victor's crown unless you compete according to the rules. It's so discouraging following stories like Lance Armstrong and the repeated cheating that went on. And now he's been stripped of those, all those Tour de France titles, seven of them. Those aren't heroes if you cheat. You do not receive the victor's crown unless you compete according to the rules, Paul says. And the same principle, I think, applies to the Christian life. Now, there's a great deal of freedom as a Christian. We're not bound by the Old Testament law. We've talked about that. But there still are rules and guidelines that we are expected to follow. John Stott wrote, We are not under law as a way of salvation to commend us to God, but as a guide of conduct to show us how to live. And so in the New Testament, we're called to be morally pure. As Christians, we are to abstain from sexual immorality. Our speech is to be pure and undefiled. We're not to use profanity. Our integrity is to be unquestioned. We're to be honest and truthful with our neighbors. We're to be forgiving to those who offend us and generous to those who are in need. Look at 1 John 5, 3, and 4. This is, the love, God, this is love for God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome for everyone. Who is born of God has overcome the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. God's commands are not burdensome. They are not unreasonable. But when we obey them, we win the victory. Are you on a path to win that victory today? And finally, I would have you note, Paul says, we're to be like a farmer who is diligent, in his labor. The hardworking farmer, Paul writes, should be the first to receive a share of the crops. How many of you grew up on a farm? Any of you? Several of you, okay, a few. My dad was a farmer. Uh, He he farmed uh, a lot with his brothers. We had a farm growing up. But it would probably be a stretch for me to, to claim that I was a farmer, too, uh, when I was a kid, I was allergic to things like corn dust and hay dust, and I may have had a particular allergy to work dust. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it was hard work. And the first thing you realize about being on the farm is, is that it is not glamorous, An athlete or a soldier, they're going to have maybe moments of glamour and excitement, but there's not much about being a farmer that is ever really going to be thought of as spectacular. A farmer works hard, and a farmer waits. He does what he can, but he knows that so much is up to the elements. I grew up in a rural area in a farming community, so in church, I remember many Sundays during a hot, dry summer when we would just gather together and pray for rain. I don't remember the last time we prayed for rain in North Olmsted. The Christian life is sometimes just plain old hard work. Amen? Nothing glamorous about it. You ask some of the folks in our parking lot ministry who get up early and stand out in the cold or the nursery worker who gets tired of dealing with that screaming child or... You invite uh, or you talk to the trustee member who gets up on the roof and fixes the leak. Sometimes there isn't a lot of glamour or recognition for what you do. I love to preach, but I've got to tell you, the hard part of preaching is not standing up here on Sunday morning. The hard part of preaching is what happens on Wednesday morning and Thursday afternoon and all day Friday and Saturday morning when I'm staring at that blank computer screen and I'm praying desperately, Lord, give me something. To share. Give me something to say. That's hard. It scares me every week. Harry Emerson Fosdick, the great preacher, once said that for every minute in the pulpit, the preacher ought to spend an hour in his study. I spend a lot of time studying and thinking about what I'm going to say. But whatever you do in the Christian life, it's often going to depend on hard work. It's behind the scenes. And it may not even get noticed. That's why in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul reminds us, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work in the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. But of course, there is one great advantage to farming. The farmer is the first to receive the crop there ever was a famine, it will not be the farmer who's going to starve. But there is a a sense of satisfaction that comes when the harvest is brought in. My wife and I have uh, good memories from years ago when I started serving at my first church in New Washington, Indiana. The church there had lots of farmers. And because we traveled every Sunday more than two and a half hours just to get there to be a part of their services... Just to get to church, it meant that they would take us they would take us into their homes after church and have us over for dinner sunday afternoon hint uh, oh, sorry about that that shouldn't have been in there to this day, Mary talks about how wonderful it was, you know getting out there, eating a ripe, fresh tomato straight from the garden or pulling some green beans or having that fresh corn or cob. Fresh, no middleman, no chemicals. It was wonderful. You know who gets the most out of a sermon? It's the pastor. It's the preacher. You know who gets the most out of the Sunday school lesson? It's it's the teacher. Because they've worked so hard at it. And they spent time with it. How how many times do you hear people say, well, I went to the hospital to cheer them up, but I walked out of there, they cheered me up. That happens because when you put something into the activity, you're the one who benefits from it. It happens again and again. It is the hardworking farmer who gets the good crop. So this is what we as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, should look like. A faithful witness to share the gospel. A a, a soldier who is loyal to his calling. An athlete who competes by the rules. And a hardworking farmer who receives the harvest. That's who we're to be, Paul says. I told you uh, earlier, I just watched the, the... series Band of Brothers. I've seen it before. At the end of the series, uh, they interview Major uh, Dick Winters. And as the show ends, I got to tell you this, I cry every time. My wife doesn't understand this, but I always just just well up with tears. Because by this time, of course, he's an old man. You know that he's seen much. You know that he has experienced much. And he says this. He says, You know, I remember my grandson saying to me, Grandpa, were you a hero in the war? And Dick Winter said, Grandpa, no. And then tears well up in his eyes. But I served in a company of heroes. May we be a company of heroes each other. We know what's expected as we follow Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, as the wind blows, as the lights flicker, we are mindful of this, that the Holy Spirit still is in the Business of coming among us and coming alongside of us and coming through us. The wind, Lord, I pray, would blow in this place, but it would not be a physical wind. It would be the wind of your spirit as we make a determination to know you better and to do the hard work that is called following Jesus. I pray that, Lord, we could look around us and we would be amazed at the examples of faithfulness. Those among us who... Work hard for the faith. Not because we're trying to earn our salvation, but because, Lord, we know that that following after you is a difficult business. Paul reminds us sometimes it involves suffering. Paul tells us, Lord, that, that we are invited to be a soldier, a farmer, an athlete. Lord, some of us maybe need to rearrange our priorities this morning. Some of us who claim the name of Christ are not living according to that name. And so, Father, I just pray that you would convict us of our sin and remind us of your glory. Remind us of who we are and who we follow. I pray this in the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
1: Would you stand Let's respond? A church arise A church arise and put your armor on hear the call of christ our captain for now the weak can see that they are strong in the strength that god has driven. with shield of faith and belt of truth We'll stand there against the devil's lies. An army bold, whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war. To love the captive soul But to range against the captor And with the sword That makes the wounded whole We will fight with faith and valor And face with trials on every side We know the outcome is secure And Christ will have the price for which he died, an inheritance of nations. Come see the cross, where love and mercy meet, as the Son of God is stricken. Then see his foes, lie crushed beneath his feet, for the conqueror has risen. And as the stone is rolled away and Christ emerges from the grave, this victory march continues till the day. Every eye and heart shall see Him. So Spirit, come, put strength in every stride. Give grace for every hurdle that we may run With faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful As saints of old still line the way Retelling triumphs of His grace We hear the calls and hunger for the day when with christ we stand in glory as saints of old still line the way retelling triumphs of his grace we hear the calls and hunger for the day when with christ we stand in glory